So uh, welcome and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Jain Irrigation Training Series. I'm your host, Richard Rastusha, and today uh, we're going to be getting a field report on irrigation. And the reason I wanted to do this is as I'm looking around to see what's happening in the agricultural world right now. Uh, it seems a little uh, crazy. It's definitely different than past years, that's for sure, and, uh, and different in big ways for a lot of different ways, right? And what I mean by that is uh, gosh, uh, six months ago, we started talking about fertilizers and other inputs to agriculture, and man, those prices were tipping up uh, in a hurry and moving up and continuing to move up. Then uh, as we got into the winter of this year and into the spring, a lot of things happening uh, globally, uh, and we're getting inflationary pressure. We've got skyrocketing commodity prices. Corn, wheat, soybeans are at, at prices that we haven't seen in years and years. And then on, on top of all this, we have a moisture issue, right? We didn't really get much moisture over the win winter in a lot of places. And, uh, and so when I think about this, I mean, that's a lot of variables. That's a lot of things to figure out if you're in business uh, right now of, of growing. And uh, I started to think about who could help us in this situation, who could really talk us through uh, some things about irrigation and, and, uh, and, and farming in general. And the uh, first person that came to mind was uh, Monty Teeter. Now, if you guys know Monty and have seen him on here, and I'm sure you've seen Monty somewhere because he really does get uh, around in the irrigation circles, but Monty's the CEO of Dragonline. And Dragline's probably the best idea, best concept I've seen in agriculture and water conservation ever, right? It's this concept of using drip lines behind center pivot irrigation. It's uh, the thing that I really appreciated about it is that it takes a situation where maybe you don't have enough water to use a center pivot and to really farm. And by using the, uh, the, the drip line, you have to pump a lot less water and we're putting more acreage back in production that maybe was taken out. So that's one of the reasons. And there's a host of other reasons why I do like it, but uh, that, that gets me excited. Well, it's really a sustainable solution. So Monty has been in the irrigation industry for over 50 years now. He's been on the board of directors of the Irrigation Association and Monty travels the country, really the world, talking to growers. And because of that, He's got a unique perspective on what's happening. So anyway, Monty, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for that introduction. I appreciate that. Yeah, I am entering my 50th year. Like I should seem like it went by so fast, but that's that's what happens sometimes. And uh, But it is interesting about what, what we've done around the world and as we travel to talk about uh, everything that's going on. And, uh, you know, we talk about when will things get back to normal I think we need to plan on this is normal. And if it gets better, we're in great shape. But if it doesn't, we've done some planning. So to, to answer some of the questions you sent me earlier, which you'll get to, but I think we just have to go ahead. I think that's really a great point, right? Um, we're in, I'm in California, Southern California, and we're at uh, 20, 20 something years of a mega drought. And so I start to think, Monty, if it's 20 years of a mega drought, are we really in a mega drought or is this just the way it is now? When do we when do we say, OK, this is the way it is. We're not going back to the old way. And it seems to me we after 20 some years, we, we better be thinking maybe in that direction. Yeah, it just it appears that our weather is moving. Uh, moisture is moving from the west to the east, uh, especially here in western Kansas. When I was growing up as a boy, 
eastern Colorado used to be a broom corn capital of the world. They would raise dryland broom corn, you know, to make broom corn brooms back in the day. And now, now there, there's it's non-existent. I mean, it's just really, really dry. And where we're at here, we used to get some occasional rains and could really count on rain for good dryland crops. But but we can't. We can't depend on that. You can uh, do everything you do to plan, but without rain, uh, you're just uh, short of uh, short of being able to do too much, especially in dryland situation. And then eastern Kansas. They're complaining now because it's getting drier all the time. And they used to never complain. They used to always get that 30 to 40 inches of rain a year. And they're not getting that now. So a lot of things are changing around the world. Yeah, they sure are. And you know, one thing that I've always been impressed about your business is uh, you guys are international. And it seemed to me that the countries that were most interested in your products are the ones that are having the most water issues. Uh, would you say that's accurate? It is uh, here. Probably a big difference between here and overseas. We we have a good safety net that helps producers and growers. If there is a crop failure, there's usually crop insurance or uh, something that helps protect them from just going clear broke and losing all their investment. In the other countries, they just don't have have a safety net. And uh, I, interesting, I was on a call with actually Uzbekistan with their. Uh, Department of Ministry uh, in Agriculture, and they gave about a 20-minute uh, tutorial about how the last 10 years they've lost about 18% of their water uh, due to global warming, and they're anticipating up to 25% in the next 10 years. And so, uh, uh, we're we're doing quite a bit of work down in Argentina and. And Chile now, uh, their their climate's really changed, and they're trying to figure out how they they can keep growing a crop. And of course, here in the mid plains, um, you know the drought. We've had several droughts. You can always almost name off the droughts when they were here, and when it got well, and when it come again. Uh, you know, 2010 and 11, it was awful bad here, and then it seemed to get a little better, and we started getting a little bit of rain. But it seems like we've been in a drought for seven or eight years again, and it's just continuing to get worse. And that's just how it is right now. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that, Monty. Thinking about this year, you know, I said on the introduction that this is the craziest year I, I can remember. Uh, how about for you? Is this is this a different year? And did it get worse with the different variables? Well, you know, from the COVID to upsetting everything to where we're at today. Uh, you know, we talked earlier a little bit, uh, I don't know if some of the people heard, you know, a farmer bought a, bought a tractor, uh, took preventive measures to buy a newer tractor to farm with, and it was a, a, a good used tractor, and he ran it through the shop, and uh, he found out there's more issues, and it's eight months now since he's had that tractor in the shop to get fixed, and they can't get parts, so he's bought new tractors to ensure that. Uh, on, my, on my farm, um, since August 3rd, uh, we had 30 hundredths of moisture on that uh, to date. And last week we got um, 66 hundredths. So I've had almost an inch of rain since August on that farm. But you don't go very far from here south and they haven't had any moisture just like us. And they still haven't had any moisture. And uh, it's, it's just really dry, Richard. Uh, it's dry in a big area here. It's just not a little bit. It's a big area. And I don't know how long it'd take to get it all back to normal again, if there is a normal. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so then combating this dryness, Monty, is also, I mean, this is what I read every day is wind. Wind like we've never seen before. Is that right? Yeah, we've had crazy winds this, this spring. Uh, it just seemed like it's an average to have, you know, you look at the weather map and it's going to be uh, 25 to 30. That's just kind of a normal, it seems like. Uh, last week, we had uh, two days of 50 mile an hour wind which usually in springtime, we'll get some of that. Uh, the weather gets warm, it's dry out, the dirt blows, visibility's low. And, uh, you know, just uh, for, for cropland that's not, uh, doesn't have any uh, cover crop or it's already, they've tried to work it once or twice to keep the wind from blowing the dirt. Uh, there's not much to do now and it's just blowing and it affects their neighbors and their neighbors, you know, and what happens to that ground. Right, right. I think uh, when I talked to you earlier in the week, you said something about Sunday, you spent the day just getting the dirt off your patio. <laughs> yeah, finally getting everything cleaned up. That's right. Yeah, sure. yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, wow. Uh, the, the new normal is going to have a lot of wind in it too. So uh, with this drought, the lack of moisture, um, what, what are the growers doing? Uh, you know, I think, you know, in the case, in the places where people have water, you know, and have adequate water, you know, seems like we always manage around drought or dry weather. Uh, so as long as you have your water, you can grow about anything, yeah. you know, and the weather, you know, being too hot or something, we'll manage around that. Uh, there's a lot of different varieties that people can grow, but it seems like right now, um, uh, you used to not have to worry so much about the different varieties and, and planning on what we're doing, but it, I think today you just have to, you know, you talk, talk about higher prices for crops, you know, it, I think everybody has those grandeurs of, of growing a big crop with high price and really getting healed up. But uh, people are just trying to, I think, mitigate their, what could be a big loss, you know, because uh, it's hard to grow $11 wheat when you don't have moisture and you don't have the right weather. And uh, it's, you know, it's difficult to make plans and if you make plans, you need to have several strategies. If plan A is not working, you've got to switch to plan B. There's just nothing cut, cut in stone. Um, you know, it's, and it's also difficult to capitalize on forward contracting your crops. You know, it used to be if you had a normal season, you uh, had a good pro, you know, prospect to grow uh, so many acres of corn, you would, you would forward contract some of that. But right now, it's hard to forward contract that because you don't know what you can plan on. And then also herbicides, you know, uh, that people are applying. If, if it takes moisture to incorporate those, it's hard to plan on, uh, you know, going out and raise and chemicals because you don't have moisture to set those chemicals. Uh, so there, that's some variables. And residue management's a must, but if you don't have much residue, it's hard to manage. And once, once you break that residue loose, it'll start blowing. So there's just a lot of things that farmer has, has to deal with um, here in our area anyway. Uh, uh, you know, we've had to water longer than normal because we just don't have any chance of sustainability. With the smaller wells, uh, we're really pumping them hard. You know, we have limits that we can pump. And if we've had to pump all during the wintertime, that's going to limit how long we can pump in the springtime and summer when we really need to. Uh, so uh in the planning of varieties you know we're gonna have to plant uh, varieties of crops that 
uh, have a shorter season of growth. You know, we're just going to make a lot of different decisions in what we have. Yeah, I think that's a really good point too. That we're we're going to have to make different decisions than we have in the past. But uh, uh, the one thing I do know is with uh, with growers in the U.S., you know, uh, uh, it's going to be okay, right? I mean, it's it's a gloomy picture right now, but it's only gloomy because there's challenges. And uh, growers in general, they're uh, some of the smartest, uh, most creative business people I've seen, and they always seem to figure out a way to get around this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the larger growers, uh, when, when you'd asked me to come on, I started visiting with a few farmers and some of the larger growers said, uh, Teeter will be okay this year, uh, you know, with the price of commodities and uh, the basis that they uh, calculate in for insurance. I mean, uh, on part of my farm, I've had wheat I planted that never did come up, you know, so it's not there, but I'm insured. So I will get some, some payment for that, even though I won't have a crop. And with the higher price prices, it's it's not too bad if you have insurance, but if you didn't have insurance, I don't know what you'd be doing. You know, it'd be disastrous. Right. Uh, uh, but we've have been, you know, as you talked about earlier with the dragon line and what we've been doing, um, uh, not, not to dwell on that too much, but I do have a farmer that uh, last year that uh, from Stanton County over here that uh, won the uh, sorghum, contest. Uh, he just went back to, uh, oh, back, uh, uh, gosh, I came, but uh, the Kansas uh, Sorghum Growers Association, and he grew 204 bushel sorghum with only nine inches of irrigation and four inches of rain. And that nine inches include his pre-watering. So we've learned how to manage and how to do better. Uh, as long as we have a little bit of water, we can grow lots of things. But you still need some rain. Yeah, but that's really, I mean, that's a really low amount of water. And that's one of the things I wanted to ask you, you are people doing things differently this year. And I got to imagine the demand for your product has got to be way up. Yeah, it's it's up. Just like uh, when I was talking to you about uh, Azerbaijan, uh, we're going to do some more things with, I mean, with uh, Uzbekistan, but we're actually going to uh, uh, Azerbaijan here in a couple of weeks to a big trade show. They've invited us over and some of those smaller countries, they don't have the luxury of getting more water somewhere, and they're in a drought too. Uh, so they've got to make do with less less uh, uh, resources, and uh, all in the development of Dragon Line. You know, if you if you if you really understand how much water is lost to evaporation and wind, um, you know, in, in most of our statistics that we show, and even from the USDA from Texas. Uh, they were showing that, you know, with that on, on sandy loam soil, we'll lose up to 50% of our moisture to evaporation. Anytime you darken that soil, you're losing water. And so when we're out here trying to see us watering in this 30 and 40 mile an hour wind, it almost makes me ill to see all this water just going up in evaporative loss that we need to make use. And that's the reason I developed Dragon Line. It, it wasn't it wasn't just an idea that I just dreamed up one night. It's what can we do to, to help save our to help save our, our agriculture business here? I mean, it's not how much water you have, it's how you use that water and how you can grow. And that's just what this farmer showed. It's just being smart, utilizing it, get the right uh, hybrids. And we just have to, we have to be smarter than we used to be. It's just not by chance we can grow a good crop anymore. 
And the old joke used to be, right, it's ending up on my neighbor's farm. This year, it's on my neighbor's neighbor's farm. But really, it's just evaporating into the air. It's, it's getting, it's, it's helping nobody. Yeah. A lot of things that's too sad uh, in the industry, it's a use it or lose it mentality about water rights. And that's one thing that we really need to change to be able to spread that water out over more area and to save the water. But uh, uh, so many areas, you know, they have like uh, six acre feet of water to use, but they're afraid to cut back because they cut back, they might take that away from them. So they continue to use that six acre feet of water. Yeah. Uh, when I started working on Dragon Line, I had a farmer come in here, a local farmer and said, Monty, I have a bone to pick with you. And so what's the matter? He said, quit telling people we can save water. They'll be taking it away from us. Uh, so uh, we don't try to save water because we're afraid people will take it away from us. And the use it or lose it mentality has to go away from us at some point. Yeah, it seems like that's going to have to switch, and uh, and and maybe with uh, more incentives to uh, change the technology you're using, right? Um, uh, some type of uh, rebate program or something. Uh, um, and NRCS is doing a little bit of this, uh, or a lot of it actually in California. I know that, but uh, maybe, maybe we need to see more of that. Yeah, we need to reward people for saving, not penalize them. Uh, I've been working uh, five years with the NRCS uh, to get our uh, product cost shared. And last year I was meeting with them. We're kind of getting off base here, but I'll be brief. Uh, but uh, I said, you know, we, you can see the winds blowing today. Those guys next door to us are losing their water. You know, we're getting everything on the ground. Uh, what's going on? How come we can't get this uh, concept approved? And he said, Monty, we just don't know where to put you. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, you're not drip irrigation. You're not pivot irrigation. You're mobile drip irrigation. And uh, I said, well, what difference does that make? And he said, well, when we figure up uh, a sprinkler irrigation package that we cost share on, we do a CPED program and that measures the effective wettingness of, of the soil surface. So they'll effectively, I think they have to be 88% efficient or greater to be able to be cost shared. So that means if you take a, 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 a big room and you put a sprinkler head in the middle of it and you run that sprinkler head, it'll effectively wet 88 to 95% of that soil surface. But when you add the wind and the uh, all the other things that go along with it, uh, it, it, it loses that. But that's how they base their cost share. Uh, do you have a moment for me to show you a couple of uh, video here? Yeah, uh, absolutely. absolutely. I, we love seeing stuff from the field. So that, that's part of why we're here. I'll just uh, show a, a package here that, uh, uh, get it up here. Is that showing Richard? Yeah, it looks, uh, okay. I can see it. It's uh, yeah, seeing a lot of, a, lot of, a lot of water being blown uh, okay. in places it's not supposed to be. You know, that's probably a 90, uh, 90 or 95% efficient water package. You know, uh, uh, th this, this was out in my in the wind today. Field 40 uh, mile an hour week. plus. Spring nozzles. Do you have sound on that video, Richard? Dragon 
So that's that's, uh, that's really something. I mean, you get the full effect with that audio of what that wind is. Uh, oh, you can hear the wind. Okay. Yeah. I oh didn't know my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I started to hang on to my desk. I thought I was going to get blown away here. Yeah, that's you know that's peace of mind that I have, even though I I only have I have less than 180 gallons a minute, and I water two pivots with that. Yeah. But that pivot uh, is watering 75 acres of triticale, but you know when you, the less water you have, the more inefficient use of the water you you're making. And so, uh, you know, in the winds blowing, I have peace of mind that I'm getting the water on the ground, not wasting it in the air. So that's, that's some of the technology that's available to help people. Yeah. That would be so discouraging to be just watching uh, my water <laughs> evaporate into the air. Uh, so yeah, I, <laughs> that's why I said earlier, I think you guys uh, have uh, one of the, you know, one of the smartest uh, uh, products around right now. But um, so, Monty, you, you know me, and if I was, you know, if I was growing in your area, and I was seeing this uh, eight dollar corn, eleven dollar wheat, uh, almost twenty dollar soybeans now, I'd be planting like crazy, right? Because uh, those prices are so good. Uh, but that may not be the wisest thing to do. Uh, you know, what are people doing right now? You know, in our particular area here, we we have so much water that's allocated to an irrigated acre. So you're not going to water any more ground than what you were watering. Uh, you can't take water off that. Well, I think uh, just some of the things we were talking about earlier, people are just trying to plan. You know, natural gas in some areas three times higher than what it was last year. You know, fertilizer is three to four times higher. Uh, somebody was saying maybe $2,000 $2, for nitrogen uh, per ton, uh, This they're projecting for the coming up. And, you know, how, how do we, how are we going to, the prices have to be high to continue to, to grow. And you can look at irrigation equipment. I mean, uh, you know, when I, uh, 10 years ago, when I was selling pivots, if you sold a $50,000 pivot or 60,000, that's quite a bit. Uh, today, they're 100 to 110,000. Uh, you know, everything's just gone up so much. And so, uh if they can, to back to your question, if they could plant fence row to fence row, probably it'd be nice to do that, but we're, we're restricted by how many acres we can plant by what's allocated for the irrigation. And during a drought, it doesn't matter if you plant those dryland acres, you're not going to get a crop because you don't have water without irrigation. or We, we won't have a crop here without irrigation. Yeah, so uh, so maybe with all the other um, expenses going up, all the additional inputs, uh, even with the high prices, you may or may not be making more money. True, uh, but it, but it sure it sure makes you feel good, you know, to uh, to do that. But a lot in most cases, you know, whenever the price is higher, there's less crop, and there's a there's a reason for that. You know, it's harder to grow that crop. Yeah. So, Bonnie, um, you've already made reference to uh, fertilizer, nitrogen um, a few times already, but, uh, you know, we had Eric Olson on back in the, uh, in the fall, and he was talking about back in the fall, nitrogen prices going up, and they haven't stopped going up since. Um, but more importantly, you know, what about the supply? Can, if, even if you can pay, can you get it? And, and what is happening with the price and what do you expect to happen? You, you know, to answer that, I, I don't know correctly, you know, I haven't heard too many people have any trouble with supply. I think the supply is is okay in our area here. Uh, it's just expensive, you know, and that's as, as long as people are willing to pay that, I think there will be supply, you know, and if they 
quit using, maybe it'll go down a little bit. Maybe there'll be a little ease down a little bit, but it just doesn't appear that at this time. Yeah. So, well, okay. The good news is you can get it. Yes. Uh, and, and that's, uh, you know, that's not always true. Thinking about your friend with the tractor. Yeah. So, sure. And then the other thing I've noticed this year, um, and I, I wanted to get your input on, uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, past years, I could talk to almost anybody. And uh, as we talked about agriculture, they somehow the conversation would get steered around to hemp and cannabis. And lately, and I've seen the prices of hemp and cannabis come down dramatically, but I've also seen in just, you know, my, my personal indicator, the interest is way down too. People aren't talking about it today like they were a year ago and certainly not two years ago. Uh, what, what are you hearing out there? It's interesting. I, I got a, an email from Zimbabwe this morning of a guy wanting to grow cannabis <laughs> so, or hemp, hemp, I should say. Yeah. But uh, there's, there's some talk. There's some people that have done well with that, but it's such a small footprint of people that's done well. There's been some really large growers here that looked at it as a, you know, as a big crop opportunity and really went in it uh, trying to cover all the bases. And they're still, they still have 2020s crop hanging in their barn, you know, trying to get it processed. And, and two of the guys I know that are pretty big, they've, they went ahead and put in their own uh, processing uh, plant to process the oil and then uh, then sell the raw oil. And some of them have even went one step farther and they call it uh, from soil to oil. You know, they just uh, process the whole thing out to a cream or a gel for people to use. But, you know, hemp and cannabis are, are risky and they're pricey. And, uh, you know, with the today's prices of the commodities, it's hard to look at other, at other pricing. And I think that's what you saw there earlier when prices were low people were trying to grasp at anything to make some income to try to look at something. And so that was one thing that come to the forefront. Hey, we could do this and you can make this many dollars an acre and uh, that'll help sell, that'll help save the farm. But I, I can probably count on one hand and two fingers or just two fingers of the people I know that's been successful in that area, you know, to really make it work. Yeah, it was, uh, it's interesting, right? Because um, the people that have any long-term experience in hemp and cannabis are few and far between. And uh, I was talking to a county extension agent yesterday here in San Diego County, and he has a specialty in hemp and cannabis, but he's really not you know, using that knowledge to help growers because there's still restrictions that the university system putting on talking about this. So, oh, yeah. right. So we're, we're not yeah. sharing education, right? There's not a lot of experience out there anyway. The prices are down and gosh, for them, fertilizer is still expensive and there's no water. That doesn't yeah. change. Yeah. I had a call from a gentleman down by Oklahoma City that was going to put in uh, several circles of cannabis and uh, we had about everything ready to go and ready to process for him. And then he called and says, hey, there's some new regulations coming out. I'm going to have to register each plant and I'm going to have to do this and this. And uh, on my farm, it'll be another $325,000 cost for me to follow the regulations that I didn't have last year. And so that's, that's what I'm afraid is happening a little bit in most places. You know, they're just getting regulated out of business. Yeah, uh, $300,000 plus cost today that I didn't have yesterday. At least I didn't know about. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's yeah. kind of hard to do business that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes it rough. So, Monty, uh, any last thoughts you have for growers coming into this season that, uh, that you'd like to share? 
That's a big question. I, you know, we've been working so hard to try to grow more crop with less. Uh, and when you look at the whole world in, in, in an essence of the population doubling in the next 30 years, uh, that, that'll mean we'll have to grow twice as much food as we are today. And then just what we talked about today, all the challenges that we have just to grow food, really, regardless of the prices, you know, we're just trying to grow crops. Uh, so, and with all the restrictions and, re and the reduced amount of water that we have, uh, can you imagine the, what's going to happen in the next 30 years with having to grow twice as much food with less than half the water we have today uh, with global, global warming and changes? So uh, it's not uh, this, you know, to get back to normal, I think we need to plan on this as the norm. And I think we have to plan to mitigate any losses. Uh, we have to be smarter about our choices and and have plan A, B, and C in place, not just, well, we've always done it this way, my dad did it this way, that's how we're gonna do it next year. I, I don't think we can do that anymore. And so to be more informed of programs like what you're doing, uh, to visit with other areas around you and uh, you know the worst case scenario, look at what that worst case scenario is so you, you keep away from it as best you can. That's, I guess that's my advice. You know, you just have to try to make the best decisions you can and have some options. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I think it's really good advice. Uh, and I, I can tell you've thought about this a lot too, not just uh, uh, when I asked it, but you've been thinking about this for a while. It's a great answer. And um, one thing I feel really good about is that there's people like you out there trying to help solve this problem because it is, it's a big challenge. Uh, and I'm confident we'll get through it, uh, especially when people like you are working on it. So uh, Bonnie, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you uh, providing this um, irrigation field report. Uh, like I said, you talk to so many people and, and have a really unique perspective. And so sharing that perspective with all of us is really generous and I appreciate that. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for the time today. Yeah. So to our viewers, thank you for checking in today. We really appreciate it. Uh, and as you know, all our training videos are at changeusa.com forward slash trainings. And wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, you can find us there too. So uh, thanks everybody for joining. And again, Monty, thank you so much for joining and, us. We'll and say, say an extra prayer for rain tonight. Yeah. I pray. It helps. <laughs> Maybe okay. two. Okay. All right. Thank you, Monty. Okay.